Hey, I'm Connor. Hey, I'm Rutledge. And we're Friends Stream Sports. We're real friends talking about real sports. And we're real hyped for Game 6 of the NBA Finals tonight, aren't we, Rutledge? Oh, man, so hyped town tonight. I want to read you this uh, headline off of NBA.com. It says, Bucks on brink of title, ready for desperate sons in Game 6. I'll tell you, when we started these finals, I did not think that would be the narrative that uh, the Bucks are the favorite and the Suns are considered desperate, not especially after the first two games. Oh, absolutely. The Bucks have definitely taken control of this series. Uh, I think that the Game 5 loss in Phoenix, I mean, that, that was obviously, you know, just in terms of math, you know, that was huge. Uh, for, really from the big-time standpoint of – uh, of just that momentum and just feeling like you're on the brink and everything going from the Suns have a chance, the Suns have a chance, they're really good chance, really good chance to the Bucks are now 48 minutes away from celebrating their first title in 50, 53 years. I think it really goes down to that with the Giannis injury, uh, the world really started to take the Milwaukee Bucks for granted. And I think we forgot how good this team was and how big the addition of Drew Holiday was um, for this team to put together. I mean, look at the steal play that Drew Holiday put with Giannis in order for them to have a big score. I think that was in the fourth quarter on Sunday. I watched it with my wife, and I'll admit, I watch more NBA basketball than my wife does. She'll watch the finals if I'm staring at it, especially now that I'm on a amateur, very highly successfully amateur sports show. Uh, but when that ball got lobbed up and Giannis hung from the rim, I had to contain myself. I went, wow, that was great. Then I said, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, that, that actually was cool. So, so cool. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Speaking of Drew Holiday, uh, let us not forget that the Suns, or the, the Bucks rather, uh, signed Drew Holiday and gave up a bunch of draft picks for Drew Holiday before Giannis even signed his extension. So they were kind of like betting on just, hey, we're going to make this move and we think Giannis is going to like it. And if Giannis didn't like it and would have left, like the Bucks would have been worse than the Magic for the next five years. Easy. They would have been so bad. Speaking of Giannis, that's a, that's a reach in. Second foul. Wow. Wow, getting aggressive. Fear the deer, Connor. Fear the Fear deer. That deer tonight. If if you were to have won and you were to win the NBA Finals in Milwaukee, what would be your first beer of choice? Um, probably. Oh, that's tough. Because the Milwaukee thought would be. First of all, if I'm at Pfizer Forum tonight, um, for those of you that don't know, I actually have a huge crush on the city of Milwaukee. Connor and I went to a wedding up there. I got there a day before Connor did and had a whole day downtown with some good friends of ours, and I had a basket of a ball. I had the best time. Um, there is, everyone would say a spotted cow, but there's a brewery called Lakeview Brewery, um, and I did a tour with them, and it was incredible. On the tour, they make you sing the title, the song to the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Ah. Um. I think that's Mary Tyler Moore. We're going to make it after all. They make fun of it in Wayne's World or Wayne's World 2. Is that Mary Tyler Moore? 
Well, Either I know way. that I know that the Fonz is from Milwaukee. That I would go see the Bronze Fonz. I would I would rub the nose of the Bronze Fonz for good luck tonight. I would definitely go. And there is a uh, there is a bar called Drink Wisconsinably in Milwaukee. I have the T-shirt, Connor. I'm sure you saw it in the airport that weekend because that's where I found it. I've been to the bar. It's a small little dive bar, but I guarantee you that place is packed. And what I loved about it is when I was there, oh, Giannis is aggressive. Um, when I was there in Milwaukee, it was the Brewers in the playoffs for the first time in a long time, and the whole team was tuned in. So I know that probably in Wisconsin they have skipped work, been preparing, super excited. Everyone's got their Bucks gear on. Um, it's going to be huge. Connor, we could go on and on and give sports takes, but we're a friend show more than sometimes we're a sports show. So I found on the Rookie Wire, which is through USA Today, some just kind of picks for little uh, little just segment bets for the game. So I'm going to read some of these while we play 2K, and I want you to pick one, and then I'll pick one. Okay? Sounds good. This first one's a little serious. Uh, they're all a little serious, but they're fun. Uh, who will be the leading scorer in game six? Hold on. Rubio's trying to drive the lane. Doesn't work out. Out to Booker at the shot. Booker sinks it. Wow. Um, or Johnson sinks it. Either way, uh, your choices are Giannis, Chris Middleton, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or other. And then if other, who's your other? I'm going to go I'm gonna go Devin Booker. Definitely not Chris Paul. Uh, I think... I think De I think Devin Booker's gonna have a monster game tonight. I am gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Chris Middleton, and I'm gonna go Chris Middleton saying that the Suns are gonna try to do exactly what you're doing with the Bucks, and that's push the Bucks out on the on the perimeter, and the Suns are gonna uh, or the Bucks are gonna match it, and Middleton's gonna go off. Giannis is gonna be feeding him the ball a lot, but it's not gonna happen. Next, as we have a timeout, um, is OT on tap for Bucks versus Suns? Your choices are book it or no chance, and why? Wait, so say the question again: Is OT overtime on tap, on tap for Bucks versus Suns? Yeah, I I do not think this game is going to go into overtime tonight. I think this game is going to be um, very hard fought, but ultimately. I, I think it's going to be ended in regulation. I am going to say as well, it does not go into overtime. And I think that this game, you're going to see it. Uh, it's going to take off a little bit in a different direction. So I think this is going to be a, a one-sided game. That leads to our next question. Is the margin of victory for game six, is it over or under four and a half points? Ooh. I'm going to go. I'm taking the under. Under four and a half points. Okay. Bonus question. Who's your... Well, we'll say that at the end. The Whoa, end easy. Let's not, let's not tip our picks here. Oh, we're, we're getting hot. We are all in. We're hotter than, like, some of the fried cheese in Wisconsin Whoa. tonight. We're hotter than milk in Wisconsin in the summertime. That's, that's right. pretty hot. Okay. Who will score more? I'm liking these. Is it uh, Giannis? Or Devin Booker? Who scores more tonight? 
Well, because I picked the leading score to be Devin Booker, I'm going to say Devin Booker is going to score more than Giannis. Although I think Giannis, I think both guys are going to have a month. I think players are going to show out tonight. I am going to go with Giannis will score more than Devin Booker, just like how Chris Middleton will score just like he did. All right. Next one on these lists. Ooh, 12 points NBA? in the paint to zero. Yeah, but I'm, I'm only down by two. It's true. Go on. And I, and I put my shooting lineup in. Um, who will who will be the NBA MVP of the NBA Finals? I want you to guess what the names are on the list before we pick one. And they, you uh, give me four players who you think will be MVP. Uh, I'm going to go, let's see, two from each side. You got to, you know, the, the two from the Bucks are going to be <clears throat> Giannis and Drew Holiday. And then the two from the Suns would be Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It is actually Giannis and Chris Middleton are your two ah. choices from the Bucks, But the other ones you got right. So who is your, your MVP? Who do I think is going <clears> to <throat> finish off as the MVP of the finals? Yeah. You know, I, I could see if the Bucks win the finals, especially on the back of a huge Giannis game, you can't not give it to Giannis. I see if the Suns do complete the comeback, I definitely believe that Chris Paul is just going to sort of get his Lifetime Achievement Award and be the, uh, be the NBA Finals MVP. I will agree with that in the sense of that if the Bucks do take it, it will be Giannis. All right. Last one before we pick at the end of the game. How many threes for Devin Booker? Over under is 3.5. Are you taking the over or the under? Ooh, I'm going to go under. He does most of his work on the inside of the three-point range. I am going to take the under as well. That probably is going to help tip my picks. Okay. So that's everything for our NBA Finals talk. It's going to be a good game. Connor, are you going to stay up for it? Ooh, I'm, I'm going to stay up for a little bit of it. Definitely. I'm going to stay up for a little bit of it, but the nice part is I've got Fubo TV, so I'll definitely be able to, you know, watch replays and highlights and, and all kinds of good stuff. Definitely. So that marches on and goes forward. And it's time to go forward and do our next segment, and that is our ever uh, upcoming popular Soccer Talk, Connor. What's on Soccer Talk for this week? Well, Rutledge, we've got uh, we've got some good stuff to discuss as it relates to Soccer Talk. First off, want to hear some of your thoughts as your current home country played your previous home country uh, for the winner of Group A in the CONCACAF Gold Cup as the United States defeated Canada 1-0 on Sunday night. Rutledge, uh, break, break down some of the game for us. Give us some of your thoughts on Greg Burhalter and his side. Um, I'd like to say that, you know, I know they gave their all and everything, and Canada is not known for its international soccer premise, or even its national, or its CONCACAF impact. We're okay. I know that we produce some good players. One of my favorite, of course, is Kyle Lahren because of his time with Orlando City. Um, I'd also like to take this time on behalf of Kyle Lahren and say we do not drive on the left side of the road in Canada, despite what people think from his actions but um i was well i think it's because kyle laren might have had a couple too many spotted cows one night in orlando to therefore then think he was driving on the correct light and give a shout out to my mom uh my mom judy if you're listening she usually does 
Uh, this is a shout-out to you. We're going to test and see if you answer the show. If you did, what are we doing for dinner on Sunday? We live in the same town. So a little family pressure there, Connor. That's uh, kind of Ooh, intense. Got to have it. But, yeah, so United States won their group against Canada, CONCACAF Gold Cup, which, you know, in a quote major tournament, although this, you know, the gold cup isn't, you know, a major tournament like the euros were or um, Copa America there in commie ball, but definitely, definitely important to win. United States did not have their best lineup out there. Uh, and that's something we've seen for sure. Greg Berhalter left a lot of the European guys out and kind of, kind of looked at this roster as a chance to get, you know, see which guys are going to step up and play better. And guys have not come to play. There's still a lot of question marks on this roster, even though they went they went 3-0 and in the group. So how do you feel about Shaq Moore's – with all that being said, how do you feel about Shaq Moore putting up a goal in the first 20 seconds of the match? Sha- I listened – I actually listened to an interview of Shaq Moore on the football show uh, with – Charlie Stilitano. Fun fact about Charlie Stilitano: apparently he literally has the best uh, Italian food in all of New Jersey. That is according to uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. But you know, it, it you can USA can sometimes come out with a good first play, if you will, in the soccer matches, and then just kind of hang on from there. I think we saw United States circa 2010, which the United States circa 2021 is a lot better than that group. You know, a Clint Dempsey type group. Um, you know, Shaq Moore has played a lot of quality games being in La Liga, uh, having that experience. And, you know, he had an opportunity and, you know, there's still some good guys on that roster. Just it's, you would have liked to have seen another goal and maybe an offensive player scoring another goal as opposed to having to hang on uh, for that victory. Yeah, to preserve and see that, like, and I bring him up because he was there earlier, Kyle Lahren missed something, and, you know, they, it's it still feels like we try to turn the corner, and we don't. Team USA, we want them to be good, and we're really rooting for them, but, you know, there's still a bunch of question marks. So, with World Cup coming up, uh, not for a while, you know, we're still in this, but there's, we need to tighten it up. And hopefully in CONCACAF they can do better in the elimination stages. But and that's and well that's what I'm saying. This is definitely you know the Nations League. Uh, that yeah. was the that was the A team that we saw. That was the with Pulisic and McKinney. Um, yeah, you know yeah, all yeah. all those cats. This is not the A team. No. But now, you need your depth. Yeah, and you need you need players. You need to find some of those spots. The United States roster, although pretty dang loaded, like I honestly, I think going into the World Cup, the United States is gonna be one of those teams that you look at their roster and say, man, they can make a sneaky run, pretty deep into the knockout rounds. But uh, you know, there's there's still not a complete team with a complete roster. So uh, they gotta they gotta figure out. That left back position, which is why I think it was fun to see Shaq Moore get his goal. Uh, I, I think that there's one attacking spot open if Burhalter wants to stick with the 4-3-3. Uh, Giancarlo Buzio, I think he's making a case for sort of a, a backup holding mid, or if uh, Burhalter wanted to go kind of a 4-2-3-1 type formation. So 
A lot of questions to be answered, but yeah, you know, you just have to remember that this is not the A team. Yep. We'll see it eventually, and we'll see what happens next. But our good favorite, Daryl DK, of course, is out there, and he's making his time for Team USA. He's away from Orlando City, but that helped Nani climb to second all-time scorer for Orlando City, ahead of Dom Dwyer and ahead of Kaká. So congratulations to Nani to see he's been making an impact for, um, for Orlando as they get through Toronto. We're sitting uh, yep. in third place in the East, getting into the summertime, though. Yeah, third place. So we've dropped a spot in the in the standings. Uh, definitely would have liked to have seen us beat Toronto. Uh, that was a um, that was a game Orlando could have won. Some might have said should have won, but you know the defense is still. You know, I think has some has some issues. It was good to see Moutinho back, but um, man, Antonio Carlos who is definitely the rock of the defense and some would say the rock of the team is he's being missed out there for sure. Yeah, there's, this is where we get that same old team and there's other, you know, it's always a tough summertime in Orlando. Connor and I have been fans from this team for a very long time. And this is the part where you kind of hold your breath and hold on for dear luck. So we'll see how we do going into it. I'm telling you, my defense is made of cheese. Cause Swiss cheese. Flying through it. The old Swiss cheese. Half a hundred here with six-minute quarters tonight. Let me ask you this, Rutledge. Even with the full-strength Orlando City, uh, would you have Nani or DK taking the penalty? Uh, I would have Nani taking the penalty. You know, Even though DK he's – I mean, he's kind of – he can be suspect from the line sometimes. He can, but – He's done so much for us that I don't want to go against him. Like, people wanted him when we first got him to become the captain like Kaka was and sort of put the team on his back. And he did it his own way, and he's really sort of coming into his brand with Orlando. So I like where he's going, and I trust him to take the penalty and carry us over to the top. First year Nani, when he used to take the Nani nap, which for those of you that don't know, he used to lay for penalties forever. Oh, did you see that go in? Yep, I did, but too bad it was after the buzzer rang. Okay, you know what? You can ring it all you want. That went in. That went in from beyond beyond half. So I, I like this version of Nani. Uh, I think he's doing a lot better. Jeez. 73% field goals. I thought you, you, have, you were bad at this game. You have three steals. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Either way. Um, okay. So as we go into, we're going to pause and go into halftime hot takes. So do we have like any causes that maybe someday we're going to get to talk about? Or am I tipping another, am I tipping another take? Maybe, you oh know, my gosh. maybe big things are coming to halftime. If you're listening to halftime hot takes right now, big things could be coming to it on this summer evening, which we do have some viewers out there. Thank you for coming out. It's Tuesday night. It's eight o'clock. We are on Twitch. Um, Drop something in the comments for us if you're out here watching us, checking us out. Hopefully there's other people I've talked to about us at work. But either way, we got some support. So here's what we have. This NBA championship, Connor, we've talked a lot about it. It could get crowned tonight. Uh, game six is going to be wild. Who needs it more? I think that Phoenix needs this championship more. 
their roster has a lot more opportunities to transition over these next couple years, especially with Chris Paul being 36. If Phoenix misses this one, that this is bad. Yeah. I'm going to go with, you know, I think it will hurt Phoenix more if they miss it, but I think I think Milwaukee needs it more. The Bucks have had, they were one number one seed in the bubble and got blown apart. They had what looked like a Giannis injury. They made some moves. They spent a lot. They spent a lot in picks and stuff and development to get Drew Holiday. I think the Bucks need this more for a different type of team to sort of bring the championship home. Phoenix, while they haven't won ever or in a while, but either way, it would be cool for Phoenix. But the the nation kind of got behind Phoenix and got on their back. But I think the Bucks need this more for everything they put into it. So I am saying the Bucks need it, and we are split on halftime hot takes. So hot, so hot, so hot. It tastes like dog. Whoa, easy. Whoa, whoa there. Well, all right, here comes Giannis. How many points is Giannis? What is this defense? What was that? That is what we call the Swiss cheese defense. 25 for 34. That will, uh, you know, the Suns have been out shooting the Bucks in the series. So this is not indicative of the series. Although Suns winning is indicative of the series, just how it's happening. Well, you see how Giannis got that? I'm just frustrated right now. I don't even want to do this show. This is. Oh, you see that? I can't even control my player because he was just – he did the I'm going to shoot it and then walk away without even looking. <laughs> He's Prince. Good. Yes. What is it? I think um, – yeah. So – Shirts versus blouses, Connor. Like, what is that? Chris Middleton is – Shirts versus blouses. You know where they had blouses sometimes? And uh, Newfoundland, Canada. <laughs> no, they do not. Uh, you can. I guarantee you, you can buy a blouse in Newfoundland. In the women's department, just like you can I, buy a blouse in Orlando. Well, Rutledge, that doesn't help with my transition now, does it? You need a little well, help with your transition. You're transitioning to blouses. I, oh, my gosh. Well, uh, <laughs> you know who doesn't need to transition to blouses because he's playing like a, like a man as Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Vlad Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. sounds like a supervillain name, and he is 22 years old and absolutely crushing it. He's supposed to catch Jose Batista's numbers. Um, he was an all-star MVP at 22. You know what I was doing at 22, Connor? I, uh, You were probably um, picking out blouses for friends. No, what? I was picking out blouses for you. I, uh, at 22 years old, I was buying the McDouble and the McChicken and putting them on top of each other and eating it because I thought that was a good idea. Ah, you were, you were doubling down. I, oh man, we were doubled down. Mc, we the McDouble down. We were doubly broken. That, but yeah. My wife thought it was impressive. That's how we got <laughs> married. She saw me double down and she said, this is what we're eating. But either way, he, uh. He has been awesome. George Springer has not because he is hurt. But uh, Guerrero has been going good. But the big thing is, is the Blue Jays are going into trade deadline. 
and they need some help. So, Connor, where do you think they should attack the trade deadline for the Blue Jays? You know what's interesting, Rutledge, is it could be very easy to just say that you need pitching because of the pitching woes of the Blue Jays. But if you kind of look at their roster makeup throughout the course of the season, a lot of it has been that they uh, their pitchers have been hurt. Uh, and they've got some good pitching. You know, it's nothing. It's not like they're dominant. But you could definitely see that upward trajectory of good pitching, um, you know, as we got closer and closer to the All-Star break. So I would uh, – and you had at one point, what is it, three All-Stars. Um, I'm forgetting their names off the top of my head. But first base, second base, and third base, uh, all were Blue Jays. So – you have a good infield. I would say being able to uh, figure out a way to get a nice bat there in the outfield, probably center field. Um, either that or, and I know I just said they don't need pitching. I Kind of my stock response, I feel like, in Major League Trade Baseball, you know, trade deadline is we'll just get some more middle relief. But I would say for sure you know, a, nice, a nice good utility bat in the outfield that could also play some defense. So who would you go after? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, there's a few cats uh, for the Texas Rangers that, uh, you know, I've been hearing some buzz around. Um, I think I think that there's still a lot of folks out there. And the interesting thing, too, is you got to remember the Blue Jays are um, – they're close to being sellers. They're, it's not a guarantee that they're going to be a buyer here at the trade deadline. Yeah, they're uh... – they're sitting right now at 48 and 42, third in the AL East. They lost. They let Boston put up 13 runs yesterday, and they have Boston coming up three times, three different series in the next 30 days. So they are definitely playing some hardball out there, um, including I'm five than... of their next eight. Yeah. So it is a, it's a sting for them. The way I look at it is, if you're allowing 13 runs. I would go into pitching. They uh, they don't have, and I pulled, of course, Relage loves his stats in the stats machine. Um, they have sponsored by Google, potentially another sponsor for us. Sponsored by Google one day. So the Jays have the MLB's leading batting average of 2.65, or 0.265, and they have 140 home runs. However, they only have 48 wins in pitching, which is 11th in uh, baseball, and they're 10 wins behind the Dodgers, and they have a 3.9 ERA, where the Dodgers have a 3.19. So, to me, that says you need to get a closer. Someone I go out there and spend the money on, and I could say this is a little bit of a Braves homer, is go get Craig Kimbrell. Read this and a great take on it. Craig Kimbrell's sitting out there. Um, he's in Chicago. Chicago is not having the season that they originally thought they were even though I may have called for an all-Chicago um, World Series, go get yourself a dynamite closer who can help you shut down games. You're in a very tough division with some very powerful bats with both Boston and those Yankees. You need a stellar closer. If you're not going to get him, um, pick up Kyle Gibson from... Uh, the Texas, he's got a 6-1 record as a pitcher, and he has a 2.29 ERA. Let's get someone that can give you some consistent pitching so that you're not getting the doors blown off of you. Just like that with Eric Bledsoe, 
blowing the doors off of me. But <clears throat> I think that Rutledge, you know, as, as it relates to a guy like Craig Kimbrell, that's, that doesn't feel like a Blue Jays kind of move though, right? Because he's kind of the biggest name pitcher out there. I feel like a good Blue Jays move is like somebody who, you know, the the nonchalant fan might see, oh, we got this this random pitcher, and you kind of go, who? And you have to yeah. look at his stats and kind of see where he's from and things like that. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that can come in and get you two outs in the seventh inning, you know, three innings a week. Uh, but that's what you need. So I hear you on the pitching side. I just – I don't – foresee the Blue Jays going after a Craig Kimbrell type guy. That just doesn't feel like a Blue Jays type move. I could see them doing it if they were in place in the division or maybe even in first place or if they were in the NL West with and they're not but if they were if they were like the Padres and they needed that piece I could see them making that move. I think it's a really good move but we know Craig Kimbrell is expensive and while I like I like the idea a lot, you don't make a bad point because it's a it's a big move for them to go get. So we'll see how they do down the stretch in the next thirty days. We'll keep an eye on them. Kyle Corver for three, aka Ashton Kutcher, bounced out. Eighty-one to forty-nine going into the fourth quarter. I might as well put the controller down and just read the computer. How do we feel about this, Rutledge? Any thoughts on your impending comeback? You know, I love a good comeback story. D2 The Mighty Ducks is one of my favorites. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. What about, would you consider Rudy a comeback story? Because he came back into the game? Just like underdog, you know, against all odds, adversity, kind of that, that deal. What team was Notre Dame beating up onto where Rudy got to play? I don't even remember. Yeah, I want to say it was Navy. It was either Navy or Purdue. I believe it was one of those two teams. Yeah, it was. No, you know what? It was Georgia Tech. Hundred percent. That was that was back in the day when like Georgia Tech was a high level football program. I am almost, but I am almost positive. I would, I would put half of a Klondike bar not eaten by me. On that it was Georgia Tech. I just remember watching some college football movies as a kid, and it always seemed like Georgia Tech was the villain team. Like, you had to beat Georgia Tech. I mean, that's because in... <laughs> well, <you know>, Rutledge. <laughs> that's because you, know, you were in 90s, Georgia. <laughs> in the in the late 90s, they were like... You know, they were kind of good. Didn't, I think they had a championship in 94 or in 90. It was 90, yep. Yeah. You know, and they used to wear blue jerseys at one point, which was way different. Like navy. And one, and one year they wore jerseys that looked like honeycombs, which was way stupid. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. That is, that was a little bit off-brand for Georgia Tech. They could have worn jerseys that had microscopes on them. They could have worn jerseys that had protractors on them. Yeah, protract. Yeah, protractor. You know, a, a telescope. Maybe uh, a leveler. Yeah. Absolutely. Not a honeycomb. But, you know, uh, there is another team in Georgia that they just had their conference just had their media days this past week. They did. Uh, and uh, SEC media days came and went. And I think the big talk about SEC media days 
Well, there was one coach there that was super-duper excited, and there was also some other talk about the conference. Connor, do you want to talk about coaches first, or do you want to talk about the conference overall first? Oh, let's let's talk about let's talk about coaches first. So we all know that uh, Coach Shane Beamer is new to the University of South Carolina, and it was him and LSU were together on the very same day, and they were a couple hours apart from when they were there, and it was quoted that someone said South Carolina is already here to Ed Ogeron, and Ed Ogeron's response was, "It's because he's excited." So. And I won't say this is a Gamecock bias, but it's really exciting to see a coach, you know, when you had Mike Leach last year, Lane Kiffin both come into the conference, and then have a coach who's in their first year coaching job taking over a very hard job to take over that's not in a good spot. Um, it's good to see a coach come into the conference with this just sort of tenacity of, yeah, I'm going to win games here because that's what we're here to do. So what did you think of Beamer's approach to SEC Media Days, Connor? You know, in some ways you got it's almost like a not almost, it's definitely like a recruiting piece, right? You've you've probably you've texted some recruits saying, "Hey, uh check it out. I'm going to be talking a lot about the program here. Um, you know, would love to have you come come see, hear what I have to say. And here's how you can watch me." So a program like South Carolina that needs a lot of help, needs a lot of good quality players. I think Shane Beamer needs every little every little thing that he can do uh, to help make sure that he's getting good players. Because ultimately, that's that that's what wins. Dudes win. Just guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. Um, but yeah, so no, I think. Shane Beamer as another great addition. Yeah, you're right, Redledge. The SEC has uh, a ton of not just quality coaches, obviously Coach Saban, you know, down there and, and Tuscaloosa doing his thing, but they also have a lot of really fun personalities between Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, especially both in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, it's uh, I really like that rivalry. We'll see how that thing produces now they've had time with their program together. Um, for both of them, and coming out of non-COVID year. It will also be, who is the new coach at, uh, at Auburn? I can't remember his name. He was the old, he was like an old Baylor guy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. I think, you know, I actually had dinner with a, a friend the other night who was potentially going to be on that Auburn staff. Okay. And, pardon me? I said, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. I also had dinner. And... You know, we were talking about Auburn just as a program, and you know, it's interesting about Auburn is is they just. I always feel like Auburn as a program tries to force it, uh, and, and you know they'll force it by going outside of the box, right? You had the Gene Chizik hire that ended up going really well for them because they won a national championship, but that's because Gene Chizik also knew how to get the right recruiter in to make sure he got Cam Newton, uh, and have Gus Melzahn on the roster, you know, on their coaching staff as well to coach Cam Newton. So, you know, I it's it's fun when Auburn is at least decent, right? Because, you know, just to have a, a couple wild games each year that, oh, Auburn's going to go beat, you know, play a really good LSU team right to the very end. I think that that's always a, a uh, fun thing. But I'm, I'm not expecting a ton from Auburn this year for sure. I'm also not either. I don't have them very high. Um, I think they're going to hit a little bit of a lull. 
you know, ever since. And it was so strange to watch that championship team after Gene Chizik had them and then see them fall apart so hard. Um, but just proof that you have to have so many things right in order to win. I think also something interesting with the state of the SEC was that um, Commissioner Skanky came out and he had a big conversation about they're going to try to change the way they schedule the SEC in that if you're not someone familiar with the Southeastern Conference, there are some big marquee games that get held every single year as like tradition because to them it just means more. Some of those games are um, Georgia and Auburn, which if you're not a big college football historian, is a very old rivalry because they had some of the first teams to play each other in the South. Um, LSU and Florida, Alabama and Tennessee, just to name a few games. And these are games that are an East versus a West opponent. What's happening, though, and I'll use Alabama-Tennessee as a good example, is that that game has become very, very, very one-sided, just like this game is. So the commissioner is talking about rotating and getting something like a Georgia-Texas A&M game on the schedule a little bit more. Or maybe even you would see, um, I don't know, give me another example. You would see even a more evenly matched game, such as an Arkansas versus South Carolina. So get that kind of rotating schedule. Connor, how do you feel about breaking that tradition of those quasi-not-rivalry-rivalry games? You know, I, it's it's really hard, right? Because you have such that you have just that as you nailed right on the head there, and I was so close to scoring over a hundred points against you, and I appreciate what I appreciate you giving giving the long take there. No, I think you've got um, there's there's the fans in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, that are gonna might be sad that you might not get to play Alabama every year, but you know what? That that's not getting eyeballs on, on the on the screen, right? We need to make sure Alabama's playing Georgia more. We need to make sure that the the marquee teams are getting are getting their fair shot cross divisionally because in what this is one of the things that I talk about a lot in the SEC. Like it's not all created equal, right? Vanderbilt does exist in the SEC. Uh, you know the Missouri does exist in the SEC, even though most people forget that it does exist in the SEC. There are those teams that just, you know, uh, maybe maybe there's a better TV rating to be had by not having Alabama go play Missouri or um, Texas A&M go to Vanderbilt. So, no, I definitely get that, and I think that uh, it's an eye on the TV situation. It definitely is, especially putting a good game on the SEC network on ESPN or even CBS. It'll also help boost their playoff shot because the SEC has been kind of on the fringe the past couple of years of getting two teams in the playoff or having a good convincing. It's always a held back argument. If they toughen up their schedules, it won't be as tough of an argument to continually put two SEC teams in the playoff even as the playoff starts to expand. Yeah, or so. three or four with a with a twelve team playoff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in that twelve team playoff, year one there is a conversation of putting the top four SEC teams in there, depending on how the selection happens. Absolutely. And I think that's them and the four that you that at least I could name that I could see the SEC trying to push for, even though it doesn't work like this, would be Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and then LSU. 
how do you get all four of them in the playoff and not make it look weird like when the Big Ten put Ohio State in the playoff? Yeah, the Big Ten changed the rules to put Ohio State in the playoff. That was wild. That was wild. It happened. That it did. Well, that it did well. Look at we got. Uh, I heard a great nickname for for Robin Lopez, and you being a Simpsons fan, Rutledge, I hope you appreciate it. Si- Sideshow Rob. I like that. I like that a lot. That was good. Chris Middleton had the most points on the team. He had twenty points tonight. We'll see if he does that this evening. As I'm taking the Bucks tonight to close it out. By the way. If you didn't get that from earlier, as we as we go with our picks, uh, I love the Suns. I hope that they. I hope that I'm wrong. I do believe that the sun is setting in Milwaukee tonight, and the Bucks will be raising the day Larry O'Brien Trophy. So here's another pick for you. As we said, over the next 30 days, the Blue Jays have multiple series against Boston. How many wins do the Blue Jays take away from Boston? In the next 30 I, days or, or in the next I think they in, the, in the next eight, they go Boston. They're playing Boston tonight, and they got yeah. the Mets for three, and then they got four in a row versus Boston. Okay, so out of those five for Boston, how many do you think the Blue Jays win? Yeah, out of those five, I'm calling I'm calling uh, not doing so well against the Sox. The, the Sox are – they're leading the division for a reason. I'm I'm seeing the Blue Jays go one and four uh, over the next eight days against Boston and and start I, to dig themselves into a larger hole. I could see two and three, but they're still going to start to fall apart. So wow. They they could be sellers. It's just this is Canadian sports, people. This is what it is. It's All not right. hockey. Last, we have our NASCAR race for the weekend. We're getting close. There's Daytona at the end of August, but this week's coming up. Um, I did not pull where we're going, so shame on me on that. So I'm just going to blindly pick Kyle Larson again. Kyle Larson, always a good pick. Um, and I'm going to pick. I, I, too, will be picking in my NASCAR poll uh, selection of Kyle Busch. Not Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. Speaking of NASCAR, in our fantasy league, I maxed out a Chase Elliott on my team. I can't use him anymore. That's that's fun. one way to go about it. You know, doesn't it's not going to work in the long haul, but we'll see either way. Well, as that goes, that's our show for this evening. Connor, anything before we sign off? I hope you all enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good one. Going to be crazy. Fear the deer, and then we'll have new things next week. For Friendstream Sports, I'm Rutledge. And I'm Connor. Have a great night.